0: Are you listening to this on Spotify right now? You should be on Spotify. You can listen to all your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now on Spotify. You can follow your favorite podcast. So you never miss an episode. Premium Spotify users can download episodes to listen to offline. So wherever you are, you can hear me. It'll be like we're on that vacation in the mountains together. And of course, you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul, or you can browse to find new podcasts in the tab marked Your Library. Oh, and make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of Be Reasonable. moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. All right. So today's episode is going to be a little different. I am going to read two essays that I wrote as the whole coronavirus thing was beginning. Um, One is from March 15th. One is from March 16th. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because I was out of town last week, kind of getting a break from my apartment where I've been locked down for three months now. And, uh, also this moment is way too big for me to, um, just do a rant about it. And the thing that I am trying to write and wanting to write is, Kind of a big narrative that uh, it's uh, going to be about COVID and the media and racism and how I think that these things are intertwined as well as sexism and the the cultural moment that that we're in and how untenable I think it is. Um, but it's kind of like a sweeping, really broad thing. And I'm tying a lot of things together. So it's been difficult and slow going um, in the writing aspect. And so in the interest of um, not leaving my podcast contentless, because I know that's a no-no, I'm going to record these two essays. But that's not the only reason. I'm not only doing it to be lazy and pretend that I did my homework when my homework truly is not finished. um, And it would be insane of me to admit that right now if that was the case. Um, But I actually look back on these and... think that to some extent they're rather prescient and still, uh, relevant. Um, the first one is rather hopeful. The second one I think is hopeful as well, but in, in a different way. Um, needless to say, and you'll see, uh, I anticipated, um, riots and mayhem. Um, Back as soon as I heard the lockdown stuff was happening and then the moment that it became clear that lockdown was not about flattening the curve and it was just about staying home indefinitely, um, I was quite confident that there would be uh, incredible violence. so um, let's just uh, let's just do this then. The uh, first essay is called "Love in the Time of Coronavirus." Uh, If you prefer reading these, they are up on a Medium page, which I have now abandoned because I don't care about it. Um, And I would rather just put things here or on my own website or on Patreon. So uh, that's it. And here we go. Love in the Time of Coronavirus. This is from March 15th, 2020. Social distancing is easy this week in Los Angeles. It was already raining after all. It's been pouring or drizzling or misting for a week with another week in store. Maybe by the time we're able to step out our front doors, the weather will be appropriate and what one would expect for the first weeks of spring. But today was good enough. Walking my dog, I could tell it had stopped raining hours ago because the puddles where they formed were filled to half their maximum capacity. I know the capacity because I have seen it rain here before. The hours-long dry period in the gray sky, lighter than it's been in a few days, makes me pull out my phone to check the weather as my tiny dog squats behind a tree on the dirty sloped hill below the 101 freeway as it cuts through Hollywood. Dry all day, hallelujah. Though it's Sunday, I, like many Angelinos, stayed in last night. I didn't really know in any convincing way that this was an option, though I remember it happened once during Carmageddon 2011. I stayed in Friday mostly as well, Thursday for sure, etc. I was feeling good physically. I was awake. Perfect day for a run, I thought, having not been for four days, and that's just lazy. The angel living on my shoulder says. She is usually asleep, only waking when I've spent days on end sleeping well, returning from depletion. Here she is. Here I am. I will run. Good exercise. It clears my head. It's the sort of thing you can do to genuinely get out of the house in the time of coronavirus. At the top of a hill, a neighborhood or two away, a wide path lassos itself around a body of water, cutting a 3.3 mile trail. I do two loops. For those freaking out about this level of public exposure, of course you are. I assure you there's ample width to keep a good safe distance from anyone you might pass. Take a breath. Plus, not many people know where my running spot is. Few people are ever there. I go there a few times a week and have on and off for eight years. I wonder if I'll see a single soul. I stretch some compression layers over my body to guard against the chilly 54 degrees and head out the door before I head right back in two minutes later to retrieve the AirPods I forgot atop my desk. I've had them for two weeks and I've made this mistake each time. I'm new to this. I pull out of the driveway and navigate the route between neighborhoods and into the hills. Winding through the hills, I'm forced to stop and pull far to the side of the road to let the Hollywood tours van get through. The van was, of course, packed with tourists from around the world. I round the last turn before the parking area begins, expecting to see a handful of cars as usual. Not today. Cars lined the streets on both sides. The parking area, off the four-inch edge of eroded asphalt, that had washed its way down the hillside years before and through a stretch of pothole craters was filled with cars. I haven't seen this ever. What in the world, I'm thinking, as I seven-point turn my way back down the hill to search for parking. Walking to the entrance of the trailhead, I consider my prior reasoning. No one was supposed to be here at what point would there be too many people following my same logic at once crowding this vast space in a way that could reasonably create a non-trivial probability of a vector passing his illness to someone new i guess we all have our own moral math for this one i stretch and take off starting in the direction opposite my normal routine i don't know why though i began the run a bit annoyed at myself for misreading the number of people who'd be out annoyed at them for making me wrong I settled in soon after, remembering to execute a polite upturn at the corners of my mouth for every person passing, being sure not to maintain more than a polite momentary eye contact with any woman on the trail. I'm not interested in making someone feel unsafe with my presence, never would be. I imagined the people's mindsets as they ran past me. This one is afraid. This one seems undaunted. This couple is freaking out. I wonder how many of these runs I have left before this, too, is shut down, if it comes to it. Where are the regulars? This couple is smiling as they push their infant in its stroller. This mother is strapping a small helmet to her son's head as he steps onto a kickboard scooter. This father steadies his daughter as she pushes the pedals around for the first time, training wheels a few weeks from coming off. Life remains somewhat normal. Remember, I run this trail 100-plus times a year. I've been here at all hours of the day, all days of the week. It has never, never been busy, much less this busy. Why now? Well, most people won't be working tomorrow. That has to be part of it. But I've seen this trail during holidays. People didn't flood the place in droves on the Sunday before President's Day or any other Monday holiday. They don't do it when things are quiet between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Something is undeniably different right now. Not only do these people not have a job tomorrow, they don't know when they're working again. It's possible that some of them may not work again anytime soon if their place of employment falls apart under the weight of the coming economic collapse. All of this was very foreboding until it wasn't, and it wasn't long. I passed family after family out enjoying nature and their time together, but they're never here. Did it really take this? Yes, it did, but that's okay. For many of these young families, today is the first day of a totally different life, at least for a while. Same goes for the single people who will eventually run out of things to binge watch on Apple Plus after they have exhausted Netflix, Amazon Prime and Hulu. We're going to be more or less stuck, more or less at home for more or less anywhere between a few weeks and a few months. Most of us, myself included, will not be working on anything that makes us money. Whether or not money will run out before we start again is a question to be handled another day or maybe avoided entirely. Remind yourself how truly remarkable it is that this many people know of this particular obscure location, yet none of them ever take the time to go. What exactly has changed? Certainly, it's not the addition of myriad stresses, financial concerns, or fears for loved ones tossed over our shoulders to sustain us for the weeks-long journey we're embarking upon. No, it's the fact that there is no choice but to procrastinate our ostensible priorities and slow down in a way many of us have never slowed down in our lives. Most vacations are busier than this, more exhausting. I suppose it's a sign of maturation or comfort that I'm not freaking out about money, my career, and whatever else I spend my time freaking out about. To some extent, I've let that go. There is simply not much to be done except for everything you would, should, and could be doing if only you had the time. Well, now you have it. You want to teach yourself to paint or play guitar? Do it. You have relationships with your family or friends that have suffered as a side effect of a lifestyle that said go all the time before you eventually forgot to even check in with them and it started six months ago or maybe 10? Pick up the phone. You can read a book. You can read multiple books, those ones you always wanted to read or that one about the thing you don't know anything about, and little do you know it, but three weeks from now, you'll have a new interest or a new skill, and your life will have rerouted into a different career. Maybe you'll be stuck in your apartment with your spouse or significant other and get bored and drunk enough to really hash out that problem you've been avoiding since that birthday party in 2017. It's time. Write the article, write the book, write the song. Watch 50 foreign films. Clean the house, clean out your closets, hang the artwork, teach yourself a new skill that makes you better at your job than Dan. Be the father you thought you'd never get the time to be, the one your kid thinks you don't care to be. One day that kid will be that much more likely to think enough of himself or herself to make good choices in life, realize who not to love for convenience, how to demand payment commensurate to their worth. Use this time. The chance won't come again. I know, I know some people are justifiably horrified at their future prospects. If you're one of those people, use this time to turn to the people close to you. Lean on your communities. If you have the ability to help these people, reach out to them. The country has survived far worse. It's our responsibility to use this opportunity to ease our divisions and our impotent hatred for people who disagree with us. Get off social media or at least scale back the sarcasm and vitriol. Realize that your Twitter activism isn't saving lives. We've all gotten the memo about staying home. Screaming online about people who don't abide your wishes is pointless. They're not going to start listening to you no matter how many times you call them deplorable. See your behavior for what it is. A fearful and desperate attempt to grab back some semblance of control while the world shows that to be pointless. Let it go. So many people, many of them prominent media figures, are missing this opportunity. They're rage posting and horror tweeting multiple times an hour, seemingly round the clock, hammering away at the same agenda, proving that Trump has ruined everything. They will continue until this upheaval ends, even though the last time their cries of wolf were effective was in mid-2015. It's futile now. It has been for a long time. When this ends in a few days or a few weeks or a few months, these people will have moved nowhere, gained nothing. They'll be angry and self-righteous about what they've spent their time doing, convinced it was worth it that somehow shaming internet strangers into staying in their homes was directly responsible for a Kentucky grandmother being saved. It won't be. When this ends, a great many people will emerge stronger, happier, more bonded to their families and communities, more fit, more informed, more sophisticated, more confident in their abilities, better rested, more mentally healthy. Absolutely all of that is possible for you, even amidst the stress, the financial worry and the useless fear of the unknown, as if the known ever truly is that. In a few days or weeks or months, you will be a different person. That's good. Procrastinate everything that won't be important to that person. Do all the things that will. Okay, and this essay is called A Call for Chivalrous Men, and it was published on March 16th, 2020. No one who's ever been exposed to my political slash cultural point of view would think of me as a feminist, at least by today's internet definition. No, I genuinely believe that men and women are, in fact, equal. They're good and bad in the same measure, each person exhibiting the good and bad in themselves. I don't believe that when women do awful things to men, it's necessarily a result of the patriarchy. I don't believe that dividing people by their immutable characteristics and then convincing entire populations of their own indelible oppression will create a better society, even if it were true. As you might have guessed, I also believe there's a necessary place in society for the better aspects of traditional masculinity. We must call on men to embrace these. I don't know what the next few weeks or months will bring. None of us do. But unless we're blessed with a miracle cure in the immediate future, we can reliably guess that we are facing a near future of fear, unrest, and financial desperation. And when financial desperation sets in, then what? Then what? But we don't have to accept the inevitability of dystopia to see opportunities to exercise our ability as men to exude the best parts of masculinity. When we think of chivalry these days, our mind ventures to holding doors for the ladies or lighting their cigarettes or carrying the groceries. In some circles, the 2020 definition of chivalry may be as simple and worthless as reposting Teen Vogue articles you just saw on that girl who thinks of you as a friend's page. You hero you. This says nothing of the value of traditional masculinity. Let's just call it masculinity. Masculinity. And everything about how confused our society is about it. Men and women both. The historic version of chivalry is far more interesting. At its origin, chivalry was a code of conduct for knights and nobles in medieval Europe after the Crusades. It guided their behavior when they interacted with the world. Eventually, this code spread to the greater population, encouraging regular men to act with chivalry. It encouraged them to act with honor and devotion. It gave them a series of expectations. That's quite different than compelled behavior, mind you. The code says you cannot achieve honor unless you abide by this. If you defied the commands, you were less of a man. It doesn't compel behavior by shaming you. It makes you strive for the behavior so as to avoid shaming yourself. I'm sure for many, the record just scratched. I'm problematic. Deal with it. I will happily admit that not every bit of the chivalric code would be a good guide for today with commands like make war on the infidel without cessation or mercy. It's also subject to a medieval interpretation of a spiritual life and one's adherence to religious belief. I will also grant at least some validity to concerns that the phrase less of a man can be misused and has been to extremely toxic ends. I'm happy to discuss those objections sometime, but not now. If that's a problem for you, you probably aren't listening to this in the first place from the chivalric code. Thou shalt love the country in which thou wast born. Thou shalt perform scrupulously thy feudal duties. If they be not contrary to the laws of God, thou shalt not recoil before thine enemy. Thou shalt respect all weaknesses and shalt constitute thyself the defender of them. Thou shalt never lie and shalt remain faithful to thy pledged word. Thou shalt be generous and give largesse to everyone. Thou shalt be everywhere and always the champion of the right and the good against injustice and evil. Wow. This is actually woke. If I could hot yoga myself into my wokest possible position, my most intersectional iteration, I still don't think I could find a problem with any of these. Now you're reviewing them again. Now you're stopping on futile. Enough. Don't even try it. No one's interested. No one has ever been interested. Even better, none of what's listed above requires any aspect of the insultingly stupid concept of toxic masculinity. If things don't go full dystopia, these commands are fairly regular. The first two are about interacting with society. Love your country. Do the duty required of you as a citizen, so long as it doesn't defy your deeply held beliefs. With the country so deeply divided, each side imagines themselves the guardian of the country's sacred morality, the other side deeply evil. They're both wrong on both counts. We need to remember that. Political virtue will emerge on one side or the other, and it will be clear to everyone. Spending your time screaming into a digital void about the president isn't going to save the country or make you a better person. If the administration quells the pandemic, he'll be reelected. If it fails, he will be thrown out of office. There is no other political point to be made to own the other side that is worth the space in Twitter's server farm. Love your country. Many wonderful people disagree with you. That's why this is a good place. People agree with one another in North Korea. The truth is, even your supposed political enemy probably agrees with you about most things. The only thing that matters now is that we all get through this with a nation intact. Do your duty as a citizen. This is stuff you should definitely already be doing. Like, you know, following the laws. This doesn't mean you subjugate yourself before Donald Trump's feet. It simply means that on some level, we as a society are aware of the rules and agree to play by them. We have to maintain that. Without it, we have nothing. Do not be the first man to become the first falling domino on a path to lawlessness and chaos. The last five commandments I mentioned are about interacting with your fellow humans. Refuse to back down in the face of fear. Respect the weak and adopt the role of providing protection. Tell the truth and keep your promises. Be generous and give what you can to those who need it more than you do. Be an outward champion of the right and good in the face of injustice and evil. You can do this on your own in your relationship or with family or friends or with strangers who cross your path. And yes, this includes online. If you're alone and scared for your future, that's okay. You have no choice aside from confronting your reality as it exists and finding your way. There was never another choice. Become a better person with this quiet time. Make yourself more useful, more confident. It will pay off. If you're a husband or father or boyfriend, spend your time working for your children or your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. Take the time to be an incredible father rather than using work to avoid it. Fortify your home. I hear we men aren't good at expressing emotions, but there are ways to show people love without being able to say that's what it is. With strangers, help. Hold the door for people, obviously. Don't compete for limited resources with people who need them more than you do. Whatever it is you think you need, you can make do without it. You're a man act like it. Before we had modern luxury, a heartier version of us managed to survive quite well with far less. If things go full dystopia, and they might, then men have a far more primal function. And without codes of conduct that some might now call archaic, this is a recipe for disaster. Refuse at any point to take advantage of someone else just because you physically can. People can be selfish and cruel. You cannot be. Don't stand witness to it either. At some point, people will try to take advantage of others. Don't let them. At some point, you might actually have to defend women or children, even ones you don't know. I haven't had to do that, but I hope that I will do so admirably. We must. At some point, you might have to use your hands, use them to build and not destroy. The shift to automated and digital labor has left millions of men unable to produce anything physical. That's a problem. Get good at something fast. We'll need you. We're all about to remember how important those blue collar workers in the red counties on the electoral maps are to our survival. Might be time to actually listen to them. They may know a few things we don't. You can teach them new pronouns later. At some point, You might have to protect women and children before yourself. This ain't an airplane. Your mask goes on later. Sorry, them's the brakes. At some point, your charity might be needed, especially if you have it to provide. Provide it. At some point, someone's fear might get the best of them, and they're about to destroy something or someone or themselves. Convince them not to be afraid. Every little thing eventually is going to be all right. At some point, you might have to be someone's champion. Be mentally prepared. I want to return for a moment to the religiously oriented commandments in the code of chivalry. For knights, deeply held spiritual beliefs were what allowed them to put their duty as a knight above even self-regard. A death in service was an honorable death. We still have these people, men and women, Many of them wear flags on their uniforms, but some of them wear hospital scrubs. Some of them are working to build shelter for people. Some of them are keeping our food delivery systems alive. Honor these people. I'm not a knight or a noble, and I don't pretend to be, but I can strive to be like one. Most men and many, many women long for the virtues of traditional manhood our society was capable of producing not all that long ago. This is what men raised by traditional men were taught. This incidentally is also what men raised by traditional women were taught because they knew we needed good men in the world. There was a time when these virtues were more obviously needed. There is that time again. If there is a future for traditional manhood, and I hope there is, this is the time to prove it. You knew how you were supposed to be acting before you read this. Be that. You knew at some point that you might be needed. That point is now. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. for tonight's broadcast. At